Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. We're a day removed from handing out our mid-season report cards, and if you haven't checked that out, I do encourage you to go back and give that a listen. But for right now, it's time to look ahead to Sunday at the Chicago Bears Week 9 tilt against the Tennessee Titans. I'm Rose Wildewitt. Sitting virtually alongside me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. And Nick, honestly, I can't believe it's A, already November, and B, we're going to be previewing our ninth Bears game of the season time just goes by so fast man i know it's 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 crazy to think that the season is already at the halfway mid midway point and we're here breaking down a very important game but we're here will and this is happening so we'll see how this week goes and how this preview goes so and like we were talking right before the show we we had some um question marks as to who will pull out the victory for this game and yeah Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be an interesting week, uh, to say the least, Nick. And that's a great segue into our initial perception of the Tennessee Titans. I think I've started this off for the past couple of weeks, so I'll defer here. What's your uh, just first take here of our Week 9 opponent? Yeah, when I think of the Titans, I, you obviously think of the NFL's leading rusher and Derrick Henry and what they're able to do, but I also think of what the Titans have done with Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill just kind of rejuvenating his career and being a team that you can't count out just was in the AFC championship a year ago and they're still a good football team so this is a a game that when I when the schedule was first released I remember circling it and just thinking well this is going to be tough I don't know what the teams are going to look like as they meet uh, going into week nine but I knew it was going to be tough regardless and look this is week nine now we're about to break down this game and it is exactly that a tough matchup so it's a team that loves to run the football their defense is still very iffy in a lot of areas but it's still going to be a tough test for the bears as it has been all season long yeah i uh, don't know how much more i should even add on that a really good running team that are going to run it to death uh, against this Bears defense, uh, we can, we know that we're susceptible to allowing running backs to have big days. And uh, when you look at Tennessee's defense, you said iffy. I think iffy's a, a correct assessment of them in general. We'll talk about them specifically. But iffy or average is enough to handle uh, this Bears offense on a, a good week. And I don't know if we should even expect a, a good week from this side of the ball. And with that, let's jump right into our offensive discussion here entering this Week 9 game. And the first thing that we need to look at this week is perhaps 
it's by and large the most important, and that's the Bears' offensive line. Uh, we've discussed all season uh, that this unit has been underperforming, and then we lost James Daniels, and things kind of got worse. And then we lost Cody Whitehair, who missed last week. He remains, uh, well, was week to week with a calf, and now he tested uh, positive for uh, COVID today. Uh, he's not the only one. I'll get to that in just a moment. So we lose Cody Whitehair. His status is now not up in the air. In my, in my notes, I put status up in the air. Not, not anymore. That was debunked here a few hours ago. Uh, in the loss of the Saints, we lost right tackle Bobby Massey. He went down with a knee. He's been placed in IR, so he's now out for at least the remainder of this month, if not even into December. His replacement, Jason Spriggs, is the other positive COVID test this week. Right guard Jermaine Effetti, he was a high-risk close contact, so he's right now on the reserved COVID list. And Sam Mustafer, who played center in place of Cody Whitehair last week, hurt his knee Sunday, and he hasn't practiced yet. So it's just another big question mark. So, Nick, there's a real chance that the Bears will just be fielding just one of their original starting five, being Charles Leno Jr., and they'll be having at least two backups of their backups up front with this offensive unit. And we're, you know, a week removed from Halloween, but this is just frightening to say the least. So I don't know. I mean, this position. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. This unit is very much in flux uh, for one that's already underperforming. Remember a couple weeks ago when I said, you know, throw in uh, Simmons, see what happens. It can't get much worse. Well, that was with one guy. I didn't mean, you know, just try a whole new unit up front. It can get worse, and I'm fearing it may this week. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, Will. What Matt Nagy is going to do come Sunday, I have no idea because I don't think he knows even who's going to be available even the Saturday before the game because Jermaine Effetti, he possibly could play uh, the game on Sunday, but it's all going to be um, come down to that Saturday before just to see if he's able to return, especially being in close contact on that COVID list. So I was trying to make a projected starting lineup just to to have fun with this will and I came out with Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle and this is where it can get really crazy because if Sam Mustafer can't play center then most likely it's going to be Alex Bars who was taking snaps in the Saints game so he was going to be the backup center so let's just go Charles Leno Jr. and I put Arlington Hambright at left guard you go if Sam Mustafer can't go you go with Alex Bars and then I did like I have Jermaine Effetti there because he hope realistically what if he doesn't like I I just don't even know who to put there Lechavius Simmons like you have to put another seventh round draft pick possibly uh, Badori Traore a rookie from LSU Aaron Neary an undrafted player from 2016 or Dieter Iceland like from Yale like there's it, right guard is gonna look weird if Jermaine Effetti can't go and then right tackles Rashad Coward this lineup look the Bears couldn't block with their starting five. I can't even imagine what this is going to look like come Sunday. Even if it is a Titans defense, it doesn't get after the, the pass or the passer very well. This is a lineup that you just pull out of your hat and you're like, okay, you get to play this position, you get to play that position, and good luck. Like 
Matt Nagy's got his work cut out for him. We're going to see what he can potentially do, and it's probably going to he's probably going to actually know come Saturday, the day before the game, who he can actually throw out there. It's it is scary to say the least to go right with what you were saying, Will. Okay, so if say Afedi does not play, to me wouldn't it make more sense to keep Coward at right guard or I don't, I keep is a word I guess doesn't even make sense anymore, but you put him back at right guard where he played last year, or since he's more familiar with left guard, maybe you throw him over there, at least for this season. But then wouldn't you try Hambright at tackle? Wasn't he a tackle in college? I know both of them were, but I thought Simmons was the only one that projected as a guard at the next level. Again, you're going to be uh, moving guys all around, so it may not matter too much, but wouldn't Hambright technically be the next tackle? Uh, again, we're down Massey, you're down Spriggs. You're pulling at straws here. Yeah, no, you definitely are. I think, well, then here's the thing. You gotta, do you want a seventh-round draft pick out on an island, or do you kind of want him inside where he can have a little help Do you want Rashad time? Coward on an island? Well, I think he's got more experience. That's the only thing. Look, the Bears are screwed regardless. Like, this is not an ideal situation, but these are all the questions that Matt Nagy's probably thinking about. They're going to keep him up at night uh, into the early morning for tomorrow. To and Friday, all everything. It's not an ideal situation, but I th- they're going to weigh all their options. I know Eric Cush was uh, Brad Biggs reported that they're going to bring him in. He's going to be on the team come next week, so you're bringing back Eric Cush. They yeah. are just picking guys off the streets to you know s- again make up an offensive line to put out there each and every Sunday. Tank season is back, and I'm not meaning tanking the season, but Eric Cush with all his tank tops. <laughs> tank season uh, is back and I guess if say must for can play uh, you know if he can find a way to get out there then does that change where you maybe put like maybe Alex Bars at guard instead of uh, another rookie right again you would at least think in theory but the Bears really feel or seem like they're very hesitant to even play number 64 out there again I think he would be next man up just looking at the pecking order uh, just making sure that uh, I know someone asked in the chat, you know, what about bars? I know you mentioned him perhaps taking snaps. If must for camp play, would he be then a guard or would he also has tackle? He can play at least in college at all three uh, positions up front. So what would you do? Yeah. I mean, so it's weird because when I, when I was trying to figure this out, I saw what Brad Biggs had reported. He said, Arlington Hambright is projected to be that left guard. I'm like, well, that's where I would have put Alex bars. If Sam Musfer would have played. And then I still had Rashad Coward at right tackle, um, just given the limited options that they have. But I guess from what the Bears beat is projecting, Arlington Hambright would get that nod over Alex Bars. Like, yeah, like you, I just don't understand. Alex Bars can't be that bad. We, they have Rashad Coward. You've seen Rashad Coward play. We've seen him blow tackle. There's no way that Alex Bars is that bad. And yeah, but apparently, um, again, according to Brad Biggs, tweeted out i think it was yesterday or earlier today if they have to go at left guard it's projected to be arlington hambright over in alex bars and i don't know where alex bars project maybe he's projected him at center but if musfer is playing i would think bars should get the opportunity to play somewhere on this offensive line maybe it's left guard maybe it's right tackle i don't know but he should get an opportunity to play at some point we'd see uh okay Uh, now here's the thing we're all freaking out It'd be hilarious if they actually went out there and looked like a cohesive unit. I, I would just be uh, floored uh, if we see something like that in a good way. I would love to hop on the show and go, how did they pull that one off? I don't think we're going to get there, um, but it would be a sight to see uh, nonetheless. One thing I want to mention before we get to our next major talking point um, is related, and that is just 
all these COVID tests. Uh, the Bears did have to send people away from Hallis Hall. They have to kind of go through the process now because there have been multiple reports or at least multiple cases in the building. Do you think that, I mean, that also just hurts the whole entire team because now you're out of your entire game week flow, your game week preparations, and now you're moving them virtually. You're not in the building. And I think that too may have a, an interesting ripple effect on the team that we do see out here on Sunday. Yeah, look, this team couldn't get the details with a full week's worth of practice. Now they're all set home having to do, you know, everything virtually through Zoom conference calls. That's not going to help you become a better, less penalized team or a more detailed team. No way. So it's like this Sunday, and it's already tough to watch Bears games as it is, given like how they play. Sunday may take it, Will, to a whole, whole new level. So I... I'm not going to say that I'm not looking forward. Like, I look forward to watching the Bears every week. But, man, I'm just – I'm going to, you know, brace myself for this Sunday at noon against the Titans because it could be a sloppy one on the Bears' end. Yeah, uh, and, again, we talked about it in our uh, report card show. Already a very undisciplined team. Who knows with changing all these guys up front. And we're on the road. I know it's a COVID season, but they do allow fans in there. I don't think noise will be a factor, but – you never know, uh, just all these different things getting shuffled around, what could happen. And Nick Foles likes the hard count, so uh, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting, to say the least. And Nick, uh, Matt Nagy, he's going to need to be creative in order to kind of find a path towards success for this offense behind the line that's being built just quick and dirty this week. We saw some better things uh, against the Saints uh, from Matt Nagy. So what, are, uh, for you, are some of those building blocks that you want to see carry over this week and what are if you have perhaps any other ways that you think Nagy can offset or at least attempt to offset uh, this depletion up front see to be completely honest I think Nagy what he's ever he's trying to run um, with his offense he needs to tone it down like regardless of whoever is starting for that offensive line it needs to be simplified um, in terms to where Sam Mustafer the center can identify whoever the Mike linebacker is and kind of relay that to whoever he's playing next to. But that's going to be on Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, John D. Filippo, all these guys making a game plan that is somewhat simple, but that can still be effective in a way. Like the Bears don't have to go out there and score a bunch of points. They just need to score enough with the defense that they have. But I think for Matt Nagy, what I would still like to see him build upon is still the play action and just motion with Darnell Mooney from one side to the other because that seemed effective and with the offensive line that's not going to have maybe four of five starters like you need to simplify things there's no way you can run your whatever the full offense was in, in, in Chicago it needs to be toned down a bit um but I still think you build off of some of the things I don't like a thing that I did like them doing was to hurry up but with given who's going to be up front for them I wonder if that again goes into this what I'm what I don't want them to do, make things too complex, I think maybe going hurry up may do that. So you have to take away some of the things you want to do with your game plan, simplify it, but still incorporate that motion, that pre-step, pre-snap motion and play action I think can be effective even if the running game is not where we want it to see. You still run play action because that still gets people out of position regardless of how effective the running game is. It would be more effective with the running game, but that's what I'm thinking for this Titans uh, defense that, again, like I said earlier in the show, in, in my initial perception, they don't rush the passer too effectively. So maybe this is an opportunity to see if simple things work and maybe take some shots downfield. The less time they could be on the field, the less opportunities they have to make those penalties and things of that nature. But 
need to have blocking up front, and that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case come Sunday. Well, uh, I think some ways that they maybe could help uh, is somehow, some way, finding a way to establish a run, or at least just trying to all game long. Uh, and again, in order for that to happen, the game's going to have to be close. Um, if, if the game starts slipping away, they're going to have to force uh, and stay through the air, and that's not going to help this offensive line one bit. Um, but if they can find a way to, at least for me, um, establish the run or stick with it uh, with zone scheme. Inside zone would be real easy. <clears throat> I, they're all football players. They all have played at a high level. Again, maybe not uh, at the NFL level, but schemes don't change that much. Uh, especially for a zone scheme, you're responsible for a gap uh, depending on the direction of the play. So you just need to know if someone's in your gap, that's your guy. And if someone's not in your gap, you're helping out the guy next to you and you're getting up to the second level. I've been teaching my middle schoolers that concept. That's when I can help. Uh, power uh, with the pulling maybe get that's where things get maybe a little bit too complex uh, so for me I would stick to a zone running scheme uh, see if they can fire off the ball get quick get downhill a little bit and gain some yards and again I think that's a good way to give them some confidence too well, if they have to pass too much I think that's where it gets too complicated right because you have all the different blitz pickups and if they're running stunts who takes who and all the different alignments and everything like that that they will have to kind of face communicate and that's where my confidence would get real shaken real quick. So for me, if you can run the ball, I think it's going to make everyone's jobs a lot easier up front. And that, I think, will be the only real chance uh, for this offense line to even be, I don't know, I was going to say a non-factor, but it's going to be a factor. It's going to be uh, something that could be maybe mitigated uh, just just a bit. Uh, so that's what I would do. Again, simple run dang ball. Uh, again, we haven't seen the starting unit do it. But these are big, strong guys. If they just have the confidence to fire off the ball, that should help. Um, but, again, it's easier, way easier uh, that, I, that I'm saying it than actually translating to the field on Sunday. And offensive line, Nick, it's not the only position in flex this week as the Bears lost two wide receivers, one for good and one for the short term. Chicago, they officially released Ted Ginn Jr. He's off the roster. So, apparently, it only took him nine weeks to teach Darnell Mooney everything that he needed to know to be a receiver in uh, the NFL. Uh, That time is now over. And for Javon Wims, he's been suspended for two games for the little bit of uh, a punching match, or uh, not even a match. He just kind of went off on himself. And You saw the whole breakdown (laughs) of, like, the mouthpiece and all that. Yeah, we don't need to talk about it here. Uh, We do have more important things to talk about this game. But it was very interesting, uh, at least looking at that in retrospect. Uh, The Bears tried to appeal that suspension. The NFL upheld it. So... Hello, Riley Ridley, maybe? Uh, We'll talk about it. Uh, Obviously, this may not have a huge impact. Uh, I talked about it on our last show, Nick, that uh, I had a little bit of grief about the Bears keeping six wide receivers on this roster, but only really getting three of them involved. On the year, when you're looking at Wims and Ginn, uh, Gin and Juice, I I guess you can call them, (laughs) uh, eight catches, 75 yards combined. Uh, I think it's fair to keep expectations for Ridley if he is, if, and it's a big if, if they do activate him on game day to a bare minimum. Uh, However, maybe we'll see some sort of ripple effect uh, along the perimeter where the Bears have used Javon Wims as like a blocking ace. So, Nick, like the offensive line changes, what kind of impact do you envision the wide receiver room alterations having this week, even if they are minor? Yeah, and I think they will be minor because when you look at what the Bears did run last week just against the Saints, a lot of it was in 11 personnel. And that, again, is three wide receivers, one running back, one tight end, 76% of the time last week. So, and when I think of those three wide receivers, I know Javon Wims was out there for a couple of snaps, but primarily it's going to be Allen Robinson 
Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney. And looking at just the snaps between Miller and Mooney, they both played their most snaps last week. And yes, Javon Wims did leave the game, but they still played their most snaps last week against the Saints. Miller played in 53 snaps, 75% of the offense, and Mooney played a staggering 65 snaps, 92.9% of the offense. And look, they're obviously like what he's able to do, and I agree, he should be on the field more times than not. So what I think we're just going to see, and what I talked about just yesterday in our midseason report is that the wide receivers are the strength of this offense. And those three guys, I think, need to be on the field a lot more times than they maybe have been prior to the Saints game because I think that gives you the best opportunity to move the ball. So come this game, I talked about simplifying things for, for the offense, for Matt Nagy, for this offensive line. You also simplify maybe the upper... I would say for Nick Foles, you have these three wide receivers, you have options to go to guys, and you can almost simplify like trying to, oh, should I throw it to a Cole Komet who may be covered or... Try one of your wide receivers who have been, I think, more consistent than any tight end or, you know, even like a David Montgomery out of the backfield. So I want to keep those guys out on the field. So I don't think it's going to change it up too much. I think the Bears will try to run a little bit more of this 11 personnel, and especially since, Will, we didn't talk about this on the pre- or the injury report. Cole Komet showed up as a DNP. He did not practice today, which, again, it's still early. It's Thursday, but if he can't go... Then you're, what, relying on Jimmy Graham, and God forbid Demetrius Harris gets another ball thrown his way. I might lose my mind. Uh, but we, I don't think that's going to be a solution for helping you out. Yes, it could help with run block, keeping those tight ends in, but the best case for this offense, I think having those three wide receivers out on the field for a majority of the game, and then you could still have your one tight end, one running back. But that's, I like, again, Having Javon Wims out, I don't think shakes up too much. Like Riley Ridley, I don't think would get any playing time. And they still haven't even activated him yet. So right. it was still yet to be seen. But I think that's how the Bears could and should approach it for this Sunday's game against the Titans. Yeah, I don't expect it to be if he's – again, I said it's a big if. Uh, I don't expect it to have much impact. I think it's just interesting to you know watch the wide receiver room kind of get pruned down a bit. Uh, we'll see how it kind of shakes out. Uh, Cole Komet on the radar of the injury report is a little concerning. Uh, I think Jimmy Graham, I think, was he limited, though? But he's also on the injury report. I would have to check it out, but I think I remember seeing his name. Like, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, on you know, if, 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 you're, if, you're, if you play for the Chicago Bears, you're on the injury report this week, uh, which is uh, no bueno, uh, to say the least. And one final thing, again, a lot of changes this week, uh, which is not good for a unit that's already struggling. I know Trubisky's getting his shoulder looked at, that right shoulder injury that he sustained. And on top of that, didn't Tyler Bray, didn't I, again, it's been a whirlwind of a day for me, didn't he also contract COVID? Or is he on the, is so he he on the reserve list? He's on the reserve list. Okay. And going back to Jimmy Graham real quick, he, he did practice in full, so that's a good Ooh. thing. But, yes, um, Tyler Bray is – they didn't say that he um, – like another person came up on the list, which is good. But he's like in the same exact situation as like a Jermaine Effetti, where we got the weight. So Saturday, we there may not be a backup quarterback. Will there? There realistically won't be a backup quarterback, and that would mean Cordell Patterson. Maybe like I don't even know who would be like a wild. You would need a wildcat quarterback, and I know yeah. Cordell in the past, Patterson it would have been Tariq guy. Cohen. In the past, it would have been yep. Tariq Cohen. Trey Burton would have been another option in the past. 
Yeah. Uh, again, I know that there is a guy, though, Nick, on this roster that has a perfect passer rating in his career, and that is Pat O'Donnell. And that's not what we want to go see out there. So, yeah, no, I know they're looking at quarterback options, but I don't know with how COVID and the protocols work. Could they get someone signed in the building and even on the field by Sunday? I don't think so. I think Matt Nagy was saying even if they were to have brought in a quarterback, they wouldn't be ready for anything come Sunday. No, you um, hand the ball like off. Game plan. Yeah, that's the only thing they could do. Um, I know that they were looking at a former Iowa quarterback, and he was on the lines for a little bit, Jake Rudock. And, like, it, like the names obviously are not good. And, look, if Nick Foles behind this offensive line that could be missing four of its five starters goes down, I, I don't even have words for what we might be watching. Uh, we saw what this offense was terrible. Like, I can't even imagine. No. I cannot uh, imagine. It's, it's real nuts uh, how thin the margin can be and how quickly we go from – I mean, again, we'd be complaining about the offense if they were healthy right now uh, and everything else going around them. But the lack of availability, uh, the injuries plus COVID at the same time, though, really just hammered uh, this side of the ball and really just – I think you did the blow-up motion with your hands pretty much. Uh, blew up everything <laughs> real quick in a hurry. And the only consistency we have is our three starting wideouts, a little bit at the tight end position, David Montgomery uh, and Patterson in the backfield. So I think when you look at status quo, that may be where we need to start looking, at least for this week. Um, but, yeah, Nick, that's all I got for the offense. That's it. Nothing, not, nothing big, nothing major. A, a nice, calm talk about – uh, everything being even keel, and there's no problems or no potential issues that I foresee this week. But no, it's the same dysfunction. Same, yeah, you know, just just a little bit more dysfunction on this Bears offense. That's all it is. Will and we can handle that. I mean, how you can't go much lower in the ranking. So what's the impact really uh, going to be? But is there anything else on uh, <laughs> offense before we uh, switch over to defense? No, that that's about it. Will um, again, we've we've relayed the concerns and just a forewarning for everybody come Sunday offensive football may not be anywhere in the field in terms of the Bears their side of the ball so just a fair warning 500 total yards six touchdown day for this unit and <laughs> basically all, that's what's we, gonna happen. we will lose our minds if we get even a quarter of that uh, so Nick before we talk about this Bears defense I'm excited our friends at Manscaped uh, they're back with us today. You want to let people know um, a little bit more um, about them, our partnership with them, and uh, I think they have a new product that they want us to talk a little bit more about. Yeah, absolutely. So listen up, fellas, because today we do have a new product, and it's Manscaped's Weed Whacker Nose and Air Hair Trimmer. Take a look into the mirror right now, and I guarantee you'll see those hairs sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice and clean as your shaving pubes. We've all been there. You've, you've been getting ready for a date or you're going to a family event. And as you're cleaning up, you see those nose hairs sticking out of like a sore thumb. You decide, hey, you know, I'm going to pluck these out with a pair of tweezers. Next thing you know, your eyes are watering. The nose hair is still there. And you're left asking yourself, well, isn't there a better way? Well, with Manscaped, there is. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game, and it starts with their Weed Whacker. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. It's the only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable 
lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 90 minutes. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code TCA at manscaped.com. And that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TCA. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. You know, Nick, I don't want to know how you found out the Weed Whacker lasts a full 90 minutes. I mean, that's a lot of nose here, man. <laughs> it's a lot. Hey, I just, you know, got to test the product and let you know it works. But 90 minutes, yeah, God forbid you have to use all 90 minutes. But it could do it because that's why Manscaped's Weed Whacker is awesome. Yeah, I mean, all those RPMs, you think, you know, it would it, it, it'd do it a lot, the job a lot quicker, uh, to say the least, even if you had... <laughs> A worst case scenario situation there so definitely uh use that code tca help us out uh, the more we can get you to help us out through this the more manscaped continues to support our show which has been super helpful for us throughout this chicago bears season and with that nick we'll move over to the bears defense where huh, i can kind of smile a, a little bit for a minute and then uh, hey derrick henry uh we have to worry about him so <laughs> let's go ahead and rip that off real quick and uh you know what time it is right it's my favorite game show each and every week that's right it's time to play how will we stop that running back it's gonna it's the new segment i mean i feel like we do it uh, every thursday evening nick and the bears are going to be seeing heavy doses of derrick henry he leads the nfl in rushing attempts he's third at the position at forcing missed tackles with 16 <laughs> he's behind david montgomery there and he is, has uh, 447 yards after contact which is the most in the nfl he has 17 rushes that have gone for over 10 plus which is third in the NFL, and the Bears' defense has been allowing what? Nick, I think you said on our last show the most explosive run plays in the league? Yep, 38 explosive runs, dead last in the league. So that's it's a perfect combination, Will, when you really think about it. No, it's just like the offense. It's the perfect storm. I think the perfect storm may <laughs> be the way to look at this game, but no matter which way you splice it, everybody knows that Derrick Henry is going to pose us a problem. The question is there – any way the Bears can slow him down, and uh, right before we went live, I, I shook my kid's magic eight ball, and it said, Outlook, not so good. Nick, what is your general feeling towards the Bears' ability to hopefully slow down Derrick Henry? First of all, I'm just jealous you have an eight ball. I, I've always wanted one from, like, Toy Story. Like, you never had an eight ball? shaking that thing. I don't think I ever had. Never my okay. My brother had one, but it was from like Dave and Buster's. And every time you like shook it, it was the same exact answer for everything. But to get back on track, do I? It, how can they do it? It's it's gonna take. It's a, it's all eleven players on defense to really take down Derrick Henry. That guy just watching his film just last week. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Against the Cincinnati Bengals, constantly moving forward. He's a guy that even if you do stop him in his tracks... He gains almost an additional yard just because of where he officially stops and lands. And like I kept putting in my notes, his legs are still going. His legs are still going. Where are the other defenders? 
And I think more out of all the games where the importance is on wrapping up and rallying to the ball carrier, this is probably the most important week because of the ball carrier, the NFL's leading rusher uh, with Derrick Henry. And so I think that's what it's going to have to be. Guys cannot be out of position in terms of setting the edge or guys getting – if these Titans offensive linemen can get to second level and you're taking the linebackers out of the way, look, Eddie Jackson's a great safety. Tashawn Gibson has had his moments. But one-on-one trying to tackle Derrick Henry in open field, uh, no. Like, I, I could put, like, almost any player at that position, and they're not going to bring this guy down. So it's going to really take a full defensive – team effort to bring down Derrick Henry and just for guys to not be out of position and they're not they're going to be without John Jenkins this game and Chuck Pagano talked about well he's a hard he's a tough guy to move and they don't have that guy in that position at nose tackle for the Bears so it only makes it more important for a Bilal Nichols a Roy Roy Robinson Harris those kind of guys who really play fundamentally sound if you can't do that Derrick Henry's just going to add to his NFL leading rushing total yeah (laughs) but now i mean you mentioned like he's just hard to bring down he is a violent runner he does not go down easy he will make you earn a tackle he will not just allow you to have it there are backs in the league that you get some you get an arm or two around them they'll go down that's not derrick henry uh this bears team nick uh, i feel like it's been each and every week we've been uh, upset with the volume of missed tackles uh, particularly against running backs and I feel like this is just, oh, I almost said perfect storm, but this is just that the, everything's kind of lining up just right where, I don't know, Nick, how, who wants to tackle Derrick Henry? I don't think anyone does. And we've seen the Bears at times, I think you mentioned this actually in the last show too, where guys are just very disinterested at making a tackle. I think you said it more about Eddie Jackson at times, but he's not the only one. They just like, whoop, all right, later. And then they try to track him down from behind. It's not going to work in this game. And the Titans, they're not afraid to just run it and run it and run it and run it. I mean, they'll wear you down. And I think the you know if the Bears' offense can't sustain drives, this defense with the running game that they're going up against, with the Titans' uh, ability to stick with it and their willingness to do it, I mean, you can see them run five, six times in a row. They don't care how they get down the field. They don't care how long it takes. That's going to really wear down the defense. I'm tired even just kind of thinking uh, about it myself. And, you know, between the tackles, Derrick Henry is so hard. And the defensive line is going to do a really uh, stout job of getting some initial contact on him in a hurry. And if they don't and it gets to the second level, uh, I, I feel like our linebackers hopefully can get in position. Issue would be can they tackle him? Will there be gang tackling in this game, which we haven't seen the Bears do a lot of this season? And they can get Henry to the outsides because they do a lot of like outside zone schemes where they kind of just have everyone shuffle over to one direction and Henry just kind of follows it. And if he has a cutback lane, he hits it or he takes that thing around to the outside and they have a, they do a really good job of not allowing defenses to set an edge and squish it back in. They really do a good job of stretching defenses out horizontally up front to kind of give some of those easier rushing lanes it's a good concept uh bears should maybe try that too once in a while but uh like you nick i don't have a lot of uh positive feelings um, about this matchup in terms of stopping derrick henry is there anything uh, specific about him or specific about the bears run defense that you did want to hit on a little bit more before we look at the next talking point 
Yeah, two points. Scotty um, Buckmaster in the chat mentioned, hey, wait, Nick, uh, Roy Robertson-Harris, he didn't practice either today. Yeah. So at, thank you, Scotty, but that only makes the job that much tougher. And then also just one last point. I just hope come Sunday we don't see anybody end up like Josh Norman. I don't know if you saw that stiff arm well, but my goodness. And that that like gif went everywhere. Like they put his image on a whole bunch of different like scenarios and pictures. Like he was everywhere. Please like just don't end up like Josh Norman. Any of the Bears defenders and that would not I mean again, it'd be kind of funny, but it wouldn't be funny to see on your own team. And one last thing, both the safeties, Ajax and Tashawn Gibson were limited today in practice i think they're they're gonna be i i would expect them to play sunday but man if like these this injury bug starts to really impact the defense or like god forbid the the virus contracts i was gonna say the real bug yeah the real bug so man it's like you got to keep your eye on the injury report like every single tomorrow obviously will be the next day seeing what what can happen next and but what can they even it's been my question my question would be though if they can't even I don't know, are they even going back to Hallis Hall tomorrow? Are they allowed to go back tomorrow? And if so, or if they can't, how accurate is that injury report even going to be uh, if they're actually sitting you know, in their pajamas at home doing team meetings? So it's we don't know. This is a, this is a game, Nick, with a lot of unknowns, and we're going to just turn the TV on like everyone else on Sunday and kind of figure it out uh, as we go, which uh, it does not make me feel good at all. We haven't been this much in the dark in a long time. Uh, I I think the only other time really was week one uh, when we didn't have any access to anything preseason or anything like that. And uh, with all the different changes, this is interesting. Real quickly, though, just for uh, fun's sake, who has the best chance of pulling a Norman on this defense? If you just want to throw a name out there, just for the heck of it. Ooh, best chance? Um, it, I, I would think it's got to be someone in the secondary, to be completely honest. Um, like, I could see a buster screen just go flying. Like into the stands, <laughs> like just he is gone eight rows up because Derrick Henry is a mountain of a man and Buster Screen's a little guy, so that's what I could see really like he's coming at a side and Derrick Henry's like no little boy get out of here and then up and eight rows up into the stands, but that would be my guess. What about you? Uh, that was what I was gonna say. He's a, he's such a scapegoat. I feel bad for the guy because it's yeah. like you don't want to say Eddie Jackson. You don't want. I mean, maybe you can say Gibson. I mean, if he's gonna swat a ball down, maybe it's like revenge <laughs> that he gets swatted down here too. Um, but I don't know. You don't want to throw any shade at Fuller or Johnson either. They're tough. I mean, Fuller, I think maybe what can help us on those edges. I mean, if we're gonna be honest, with his ability to open field tackle, with his ability to not shy away from contact, that may be. Uh, a positive or something to watch for, I would say, is do they run towards Kyle Fuller? And if they do, how can Kyle Fuller shed a block and make a play? Uh, I think he could, uh, and that would be something else that, you know, it just dawned on me. I'm glad we had to pull a Norman real quick to figure that one out. But All right, Nick, uh, when we're looking at the defense, another talking point this week is the Titans' ability to use play action. Obviously, uh, if they run the ball as much as they do, they're going to use play action. Uh, I mean, that happens when you're the top five in the NFL in rushing. Tannehill, he's been effective on play fakes this season, past rating of 108 on these plays, which is ninth of qualified quarterbacks, and he has the fifth most play action dropbacks on the year. So really, when they're passing the ball, in a lot of ways, it's their bread and butter. The reason why this is crucial to look at this week uh, is the fact that the expectation, as we just said, the Titans will probably move the ball on the ground. 
and it's going to make the defense vulnerable as they'll be focusing on stopping Derrick Henry. They're going to be micro-focused on that. Now, we saw something very similar against the Rams, and between the play action, the utilization of motion, and some just general misdirection, the Rams really had their way against this Bears defense, had them on their heels all game long. So, Nick, what are your thoughts about the Titans' ability to use play fakes and uh, if we'll see it, if it'll benefit Tennessee just like the Rams or not. How do you see that in general this week? And also, if you're looking at the Rams as a good example of what we hope doesn't happen, do you think there's the potential of something very similar? It, it definitely can happen, Well, just given what success the Rams did have utilizing play action against this Bears defense, what, two weeks ago. So it, no doubt it can happen. Now, I would hope that that come around the second time where you're seeing a team that's so heavy and relying on play action and Tannehill being one of the top passers and utilizing this, that the Bears have learned what they can or should do to kind of adjust. You would hope so. But look, I, from what I, they showed against Cincinnati last week, they love to utilize it, and they'll utilize it often and get Corey Davis, their, one of their wide receivers, who had a pretty good game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, not a great defense, but a lot of that stuff was coming off play action. Ryan Tannehill just, again, showing his back to the defense, picking a spot to throw the ball, and the receiver's there. And they have a couple guys that can go do it, A.J. Brown being another guy that's a, a tough guy to tackle in space. So, yeah, no doubt, Will, the, the Titans, if they have this running game going with Derrick Henry, which I think we're kind of expecting them to have, given just the Bears' difficulties in stopping the run all season I think the play action is just that much more effective to be completely honest because this Bears team is going to be flying to not let Derrick Henry get a good start because if he has a running start in open field <laughs> again good luck good luck so I think that's only going to influence guys to be out of position even more and then big plays to, to obviously happen with Tannehill but it's all about what Chuck Pagano and this defense have just done collectively sense their matchup with the Rams, that they can apply those same concepts and just how to basically play things when utilizing play action and going against it that can manifest itself on Sunday. If they haven't learned anything, see a lot of the same stuff, but probably to a more effective level, I would think. Really? I don't know if it's adjustments or if it's more of being more disciplined uh, in your fits. Uh, That's really what it comes down to. And learning, I would say, this week, Tennessee's tendencies of when they like to use play action and from when I'm watching them though I think the hard part is I watched a few games I didn't find many obvious tendencies because I kind of hit on it a minute ago but they will lull you to sleep I mean they'll they go out there in a lot of heavy sets they'll run it they'll run it they'll run it I mean and they're just cranking themselves down the field and then it's first down and usually they've been running on first down all game and then boom they take a deep shot off a play action fake and everyone gets sucked up everyone's focused on Henry and everyone's going towards the ball carrier and Tannehill's just sitting there patting the ball for like three seconds three or four pats puts the ball downfield easy catch Uh, so for me uh, play action as much as I think can carve them up up underneath with some motion and uh, some of those more horizontal crossing routes uh, I want to be shocked if we see a big play happen uh, after lulling the Bears defense maybe asleep, maybe you just wear them down and you go out there in another heavy set. It looks, you, they sell the run really well, and then you just go ahead and counter it uh, with that deep shot. It's it's fun to watch 
Uh, in many ways, it's uh, very similar to offenses that Nick we've seen in Chicago before, uh, being heavily reliant on a run, play action. I, I missed that uh, to some degree, um, but I think you said they have to learn from their mistakes. That's true. I think they just have to be more disciplined and on top of that, try to pick up on a tendency um, as well. But that's going to be one that, uh, again, if you if you can find a way to stop the run, maybe it helps. But even if you are stopping Henry a little bit, even if they're attempting to hand it off to him, you have to focus on that because if you, you kind of just say, nah, I think the next guy has it, or oh, maybe it's a pass and you step back and you give Henry that running start because they do hand it off, and then you're in trouble because he doesn't need more than one touch to make a big play happen. So uh, very, it's going to be a tough test for the defense in many regards. Uh, with some of those injuries up front, too, it's going to make it just that much harder. Uh, is there anything else on this defense that you want to discuss? Unlike the offense, you know, there is more consistency on this side of the ball, and there may be not as many true talking points this week surrounding the unit. All the buzz is on this offense because there is it's a it's a hellfire over there. I mean, it's just it's just falling uh, apart quickly uh, for many reasons, and luckily for the defense, it's not really that case. No, and luckily it isn't that case because then this would just be. Uh, you know, one of those games where you're not looking forward to watching. But it's a it's a tough test because we just talked about it. The one area where this defense has struggled basically all season is stopping the run. Well, now you get the NFL's leading rusher coming uh, to playing at home, and we'll see how that goes. I, I remember the matchup, what, it was last year, I think Dalvin Cook was the NFL's leading rusher in week four, right? The Bears stopped him completely. But that's the Minnesota Vikings, and that's Dalvin Cook. They've been very good at doing that. This is Derrick Henry, who hasn't stopped running since last season, and he's just been turning up and chewing up yards and stiff-arming Josh Norman-like players all season long. So it's going to be a tough test, but hey, we'll, we'll see what this defense is really about because that's a, like I said earlier, a mountain of a man. Sure is. You really like Mountain of a Man. I think you need to write a song about it. I don't know it. why. Mountain of a Man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, can, apparently. You, can, you can figure it out. I have faith in you. So uh, real quickly, is there any big special teams topics that you wanted to discuss? I don't really have any true storylines, at least on our end, but uh, is there anything you wanted to uh, to talk about here? Yes. Yeah, so the only thing that I have, and it's actually on the Titans side, apparently um, they will be missing their, their punter, Brent Kern. Um, who's listed as doubtful for this game. And I don't, obviously, they're going to find somebody to punt the ball, but hey, it's, it's a guy that you don't normally think about, and he shouldn't. It's a punter. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Temper Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. But we saw what punters can do against the Bears, uh, you know, Monday Night Football, Rams, right, flipping the field. But maybe that plays a factor. And, you know what, let's put in uh, Dwayne Harris there, too, as well, seeing that maybe you can take advantage of someone new punting and not being accustomed to whatever's going on up front. Again, I may be overblowing this, but that's just something I was thinking about. And let's see if Cairo Santos continues his role of being the Bears kicker. Yeah. 
10 out of his last 10. Uh, the only thing I had is that hidden yardage in the punting game, uh, whether it be the Bears coverage units uh, that they're giving up a lot of yards, uh, one of the worst in the league uh, when they're punting. And then, of course, the Bears, as a punt return unit, have been very, very bad. Dwayne Harris did a good job at boosting it last week. We'll see if it can continue. And obviously with a different punter, perhaps there in Tennessee, timing and rhythm and placement, everything's going to be a little off. And maybe that could have uh, an impact. But in order to have the Titans punt, you're going to have to stop Derrick Henry. Uh, so I'm glad we talked about that one first. Let's move on to our X-Factors. Uh, Nick, each week you and I prepare one X-Factor on each side of the ball. I'll go ahead and begin on offense. Unfortunately, my X-Factor didn't practice today. Um, but he's my X-Factor, and I'm going to stick to my guns here. And that's going to be Cole Komet. Uh, he, he had three targets in his first five games. Since then, he's had five targets in his last three. So he's completely flipped those around. He's caught every single one of those for 65 yards and a touchdown. He saw 43% of the snaps last week, uh, which is the first time that he's seen over 35% on the entire year. So if healthy, if he can give it a go, he should be out there a decent amount. The Titans, they've allowed two tight ends this season to go over 80 yards and a score. They've also allowed some decent outputs against Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. Uh, against the Texans, they allowed both their tight ends to combine for over 100 yards. So something I'm adamant about is that the Bears do need to find more options in the passing game, and Komet has been heavily underutilized. And Komet's one that I believe Foles is starting to gain some trust in. And if the Bears can get a big day from any one of their tight ends, again, I'm saying Cole Komet, but Jimmy Graham, feel free to join in on the party. Demetrius Harris, stay home. <clears throat> It should be huge. It should be big uh, for this Bears defense to, I mean, offense to have someone that is not Allen Robinson, that is not a receiver, that can be a threat down the seam, that can be a threat uh, in the middle of the field, and just a big body target for Nick Foles to kind of rely on. And maybe uh, with commensability after the catch being, I would say, better than Jimmy Graham's at this stage of Graham's career, get some additional yards after the catch and make some shorter catches, longer gains. So for me, if we can get that, with an offensive line that's beaten and battered and broken, this can kind of help uh, ease some of that pain a little bit and give the Bears offense what I think they need, and that would be a, a fighting chance. So we need something out of a tight end this week, and the Titans have proved that they can allow big days to tight ends. The Bears have not really gotten a huge day of a tight end. They've had touchdowns in the red zone, but production and yardage-wise, not so much. I would love to see that change this week, and that could really – I'm not going to say open up the offense, but it could help them find other outlets to actually move the ball, and they need to get the ball out quick. I think Komet's the guy that kind of help get that done. So for me, that's why he's my X Factor, if he can give it a go. Again, did not practice today. Uh, fingers are crossed he can be out there on Sunday. But, Nick, how about you? Who's going to be your X Factor on offense? So my X Factor is going to be Matt Nagy, and more specifically how he adapts his offensive line to put guys in the best position to succeed. So I talked about just making things a little bit more simplistic on the offensive lines end, but here's what I want, why it, this should be an X factor. It's because the Tennessee Titans, their, their pass rush is pretty non-existent. They're tied for second to last in sacks right now, Will, with just seven. Don't make this a number that goes up drastically because of the offensive line. And look, they're at a disadvantage, no doubt. They could be down four of their five starters. And you have Jadavion Clowney, who has not had the season that you know you would expect given just the name himself. And they just cut Vic Beasley because he wasn't productive there at the edge rusher in Tennessee. So 
don't make this more of a um, a bigger matchup than it should be, even though you're depleted on the offensive line. And what I'm really looking like this is almost a backbreaking matchup, but I don't even have like the defense so, or the offense, so it works for me. Um, Jadavian Clowney lines up primarily on the defense's left side, meaning he might be going up if, if presumably that's going to be Rashad Coward on the right as the right tackle that's going to be like one that I'm watching throughout the game because like I said Jadavion Clowney hasn't had the season he's had the Titans in general haven't rushed a passer that effectively they didn't get any sacks last week against the Cincinnati Bengals who I believe are number two in the league in sacks given up. real quickly though real quickly Joe Burrow did a good job of getting out of some sticky situations I want to give him some credit there because I thought the Titans had not the entire game, um, but in general, I thought they had good pressure, and Burrow just was very much an escape artist last week. So just want to make sure I said that because uh, with you, uh, they don't really worry me in general from the pass rush standpoint, but with who we're playing, uh, they do. And even if it's Coward, okay, that's scary. And even if it's someone else, it doesn't even matter who they're playing at right tackle this week because it's not going to be – it makes you want Bobby Massey. Yeah, it sure does. And, you know, to add one more point, Joe Burrow is so much fun to watch. Like, that has got to be awesome as a fan base to have a quarterback like that. But um, <laughs> that's going to be something to watch. Just the offensive line, how Nagy adapts his play style, his play calling, his offense, the the tempo. All these things are going to be things I'm going to be hyper-focusing on come Sunday and primarily whoever it is that's lining up opposite of Jadavion Clowney because that could easily be something that, makes or breaks this Bears offense in this game for you know the Bears on Sunday I remember at the combine you and I being a few feet from Joe Burrow uh, during his interview that was pretty cool like everyone's crowding around like who's gonna be speaking here and I was like who we look up at the oh Joe Burrow and I hey it's Joe I mean that was that was pretty cool (laughs) and like you said he is he's a lot of fun to watch but uh, we're not playing the Bengals this is not a Bengals podcast but uh, yeah, maybe one day, Nick, maybe one day uh, we'll get that uh, kind of guy to root for here on on our show. But moving on to our X Factors on defense, uh, for me, uh, I went from, uh, you know, Cole Komet, and I'm going to do Danny Trevathan here on defense because we need a thumper uh, to get after Derrick Henry. And Danny Trevathan out of our linebacking court is your thumper. So here we go. I expect to see Trevathan on the field a ton. Uh, like I said, the Titans generally do run heavy sets. They're not going to go out there and split it out wide all too often. And we just need Trevathan to be flying to the ball between the tackles. Uh, and also he'll need to be sound in coverage. Because, uh, again, we're going to expect him on the field. And they're going to use play action. So he's going to have to be asked to cover. Last week he allowed 76 yards through the air. And he can be, you know, uh, this is where this was makes him the true X factor. He can be a vital part of helping at least attempt to try to slow down Derrick Henry. And he can also potentially be a huge liability in coverage. So how he performs in both of these aspects can be a big part of the defense's success or their failure. And if he fails in both regards, then we're really in a bind. So for that reason, putting a lot of weight on Danny Trevathan and what kind of performance we get out of him in this game. So he's my X Factor on defense. How about you, Nick? Yeah, so my X Factor on defense is going to be Kyle Fuller. And it's a lot to what you were kind of saying. He's going to be a factor, obviously, stopping the receivers that the Titans have. A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and Davis having a eight-reception, 128-yard game and a touchdown uh, last week against the Bengals. But we talked about that the Titans like to run this outside zone. We'll get to the edge 
to get to the edges. And we talked about Kyle Fuller being an aggressive corner who is not afraid to to show and provide run support. So he's going to be fundamental in stopping the run when it gets to the outside edges. And even, you know, even up the middle of Kyle Fuller has to provide support there. He's a guy that's usually around the football, but also trying to keep these Titans receivers in check. A.J. Brown made a touchdown reception because no one wanted to tackle him. Well, Kyle Fuller's got to be that guy. And for the most part, he has been that guy in trying to make sound tackles. So my X factor is him. If he plays well against these two receivers, makes it more one-dimensional and still a weakness that the Bears have to find a way to win against stopping this Titans rushing attack, but he's able to provide in that area as well, you are just putting someone else who you can at least count on or can help at least get people to rally to tackle Derrick Henry. So if if Kyle Fuller has a good game in both aspects, stopping the run and obviously recovering these receivers, that's going to help this Bears defense to mitigate the damage that the Titans can do. So that's why I have him as my X Factor. All right, good stuff there. And speaking of X Factors, Nick, the real X Factors that make a huge difference on our show to the both of us are the listeners that have supported our show with their generous donations over the past a handful of months now, which has been incredible to see. Unfortunately, I didn't get any in PayPal. So hopefully uh, you know, someone wants to help us out over there uh, in the world of PayPal here soon. But Nick, for you, did you get any shout outs this week for us? Yeah, so I got two donations. And I really, so first one, first shout out goes to Parker. And in uh, in the donation and in the, uh, like the message that he wrote, he said, please use this to help the offensive line um, in the message so uh, Parker thank you so much um, just given all the problems we're, we're gonna need a, a bunch of donations just to help that offensive line but we really appreciate your generosity and just helping us here at the Chicago Audible and our second shout out goes to Scott Davis um, also sent it through Venmo Scott uh, Will and I we really greatly appreciate just your generous donation. I mean, you see the cool graphics, the mics, the, the microphone, the the camera. Like, I have a ring light here. Like, all this stuff is made possible through donations that you and Parker have given us, you know, on this, this podcast and even in the past for all the other people who have donated. So thank you so much. And if you want to get a shout-out on the next preview podcast, here's how you can make that happen. You can send us a donation through Venmo or PayPal. And at Venmo, you can send it to at the Chicago Audible. Should see my name and the Chicago Audible logo. And then on PayPal, you can send that to www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. One more time, Venmo at the Chicago Audible. PayPal's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. Yeah, I appreciate everyone's support uh, over the time that we've opened up for donations this year and uh, Nick, you talked about all the cool gadgets you got. I know you didn't mention your green screen. You're still struggling to get that set up. Well, I, I haven't struggled because I haven't attempted it. Mm, so now the truth comes yet. out. It's so complex. <laughs> yeah, I, I swear. So. I, I, it just. Mm-hmm. What? You busy with grass or something? I saw it. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, so I opened it. I looked at it. I'm like, nah, not today or tomorrow. Maybe the weekend. So it will. I think Fridays tomorrow. Maybe I won't promise that all right hey i'm saying you know if we get you that green screen on i can port you into into you know my office and we can be doing a show in the same room that's pretty cool or i can put you on a beach i can put you anywhere uh that's the magic 
of technology, <laughs> and we can have some fun with that here here soon. I'm going to be doing the same. Uh, so thank you again for everyone. Looking forward to continuing uh, to uh, use those wisely to continue to grow our brand and our show. But Nick, getting back to kind of the topic at hand for us, looking at this Bears game, it's time to take a deeper dive and look at to our back breaking matchups and I'm going to be looking at offense here first and my back breaking matchup I already talked about the Bears need to find other options uh, that's not named Allen Robinson and I gave you Cole Komet I'm going to give you another one for this back breaking matchup and it's going to be Anthony Miller versus Desmond King or whoever the heck plays in the slot and my notes I put LOL because again I'm at a loss what the heck's going on uh, over there I, I thought about it Nick I could have easily done like Clowney, like like you mentioned, uh, anyone up front, just because I think the offensive line uh, is obvious, but it's just too easy. So let's look a little bit elsewhere right now. The Bears, uh, they need to find a, a way to move the ball quickly. Uh, I expect Malcolm Butler to be shadowing Allen Robinson uh, all game long. And uh, Butler, uh, he's been the Titans' best cover corner this year, which uh, for defense that struggles against the pass, May not be saying a whole lot, but I do think he's going to give uh, Allen Robinson a, a good test, and we'll see if it's one that he can uh, win or not. Um, but the Titans, again, one of the worst pass-defending defenses in the NFL. They just traded for Desmond King. Uh, for everything that I'm seeing, it looks like they expect him to play this week. Uh, he's primarily played in the slot, the corner this year when he was with the Chargers, and they just traded for him. And I think King, he's having to go through that concussion protocol. Uh, the first time that he can actually be in their building, though, is Saturday. So he's going to be someone that new to the team, new to the defense, literally in the building the day before the game yet. Uh, due to all their issues at corner, they think that's probably still a, a pretty solid option. And on top of that, Miller, he has the most slot work for the Bears so far this season. Uh, we're a week away from having one of his better games, uh, eight catches and 11 targets last week after only 10 catches and 12 targets in the previous three weeks combined. King, again, new defense. He may not even feel completely comfortable with any of the play calls. Uh, he may just have to be like, hey, go out there and stay in your guy. Uh, it's going to be real interesting to see how much he can even ask out of him. So the Bears, they need to get the ball out quick with that depleted offensive line. And if Miller can win this matchup, I think it will be a huge boost to the offense as well. And without it, I think the Bears get a little bit too predictable. It would be the A-Rob show again, and the Bears do need some other options. And we saw Anthony Miller come up with some really big clutch catches a week ago against the Saints, so I would hope to see that trend continue forward. And obviously we know Miller's good for a few-game stretch. Hopefully last week was like the warm-up, and now we actually start entering. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. During the, the few weeks where he really starts to stand out. So for me, that's going to be my back-breaking matchup. Try to help the Bears get other options not be entirely predictable through the air. Uh, again, don't know really if we can expect the Bears to run the ball here. So for you, Nick, moving over to defense, what's going to be your break back-breaking matchup? Yeah, so, Will, I think this is the first time I, I didn't actually pick a player. So that obviously mm-hmm. means I'm going Chuck Pagano, defensive coordinator, versus Arthur Smith, the Titans' offensive coordinator. And we really talked about it in, in full with really how the Bears are going to adjust to a team that loves to run play action. 
So this is on Chuck Pagano to see if he's learned his lesson from this Rams matchup and now is going to apply what he's learned, whatever he could take from that game, and make the proper adjustments versus the Tennessee Titans in all the play action that they like to utilize. Because look, we already know he's going to have to adjust to that. He's going to have to figure out and scheme a game plan to stop Derrick Henry and just the amount of times they're going to run the ball there. So I really think it's going to be Chuck Pagano versus Arthur Smith. Who is going to outcoach who? And if Chuck Pagano can take away or mitigate the damage of that play action game, and like I was talking about earlier, making the Titans a little bit more one-dimensional than they would like to be, that definitely goes in the Bears' favor. So this, I think, is a key one. We saw Pagano was outcoached, simply outcoached by Sean McVay on every level. Um, even though the Bears' defense at times would at least stood their ground and maybe bended and didn't break all for a couple of those drives, they still ended up breaking. Well, you just need to have a better game plan in place this time around against Ryan Tannehill, the Tennessee Titans offense. And if you do that... Maybe you'll just keep you'll keep this team in position long enough until the fourth quarter where they tend to do some things some of the times, and maybe you might steal one here in Tennessee. But I think this would be um, a good matchup to look at, and if Chuck Pagano's on the winning side of this, the Bears will have a chance. All right, those are our back-breaking matchups here for this Week 9 game against the Titans. It's time to find out who has the edge. So... Uh, we're going to be boiling things down here again. Only Bears offensive running versus the, the Titans run defense and Bears passing attack versus that Titans pass defense. And Nick, you're up first this week, and you have that Bears rushing attack versus the Titans run defense. <laughs> what do you got? Yeah, look, the Titans run defense isn't anything special. They're around 23rd in the league with 128.1 yards given up per game so they're not a good unit but we just talked about the offensive line we don't even know who's playing come Sunday and look David Montgomery um, forced the most broken tackles fifth in terms of yards after contact all these great stats but he needs some help can he get that with a made-up offensive line that you're just putting together the day before the game I don't know and Look, the Bears couldn't even take advantage. Who was it? I forget the opponent now that was ranked low. It, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. They haven't really taken advantage of having a good rushing, um, having a good rushing day against a good rush defense or a bad rush defense. I don't see that really playing uh, into factor in this game, well, especially with the offensive line. I know they're going to keep things simplistic. Which I would hope they will, but I just can't see it happening. Um, I think the defense is going to show up. Mike Vrabel being a defensive coach, he's has, he can't be excited or you know um, liking what he's been seeing on that end of the ball. I think this is the week they kind of get things together, so I'll give it to the Titans' run defense. Okay. Uh, again, that's the problem that is the Bears' offense right now. Uh, very similar here uh, with uh, mine when I'm looking at the Bears' passing attack uh, versus the Titans' defense because, I mean, two words, offensive line. And, uh, and afterwards, let's put a question mark after it. Like, I don't know. Uh, again, it's one of those where uh, the Titans, they have struggled after getting after quarterbacks and taking them down. That's been well documented throughout the season as well as in this postgame show. I'm not going to rehash it. They have the second least amount of sacks in the NFL this season. They also have had some coverage issues on the year. That's why they traded for a corner, and they released a starting corner. They're obviously not happy. Uh, they're 16th in passer rating allowed. They're 14th in yards per completion surrendered. And unfortunately for us, that's probably more than enough to hold back this Bears anemic passing attack that ranks 
Uh, Putrid, 29th in yards per attempt, 24th in completion percentage. And I can keep going on and on, but I don't really want to just give you all these other bad stats. So just you're taking everything into consideration, I don't know. It's coaching and play calling, and it's hard to feel like the Bears will have enough firepower in this one, the protection needed in this one. Uh, to really just be like, yeah, the Bears will have the edge. And again, they're like the third worst passing team in the league. Don't know really what else more I need to say about that. So for me, the Titans, even though they're average to below average at getting uh, really defending the pass, it's more than enough, I I think, this week, which is, again, uh, very uh, unfortunate for us Bears fans. Switching sides to the defense, I have the Bears run defense versus the Titans run offense. And it's sad when you scoff before you can even finish like what I'm trying to talk about here. And I don't need to rehash everything. Henry, he's the problem. Uh, we know he's going to get his lot of touches. He's a menace with the ball in his hands. We've seen games where the Bears seem super just disinterested at tackling and bringing down backs. And, uh, I, again, I don't know a living, breathing soul that wants to take down uh, Derrick Henry or attempt to take him down. And, uh, again, I don't need to say that he has the most yards after contact in the NFL, and I don't need to mention that he has good blocking on top of that, where he's actually not getting contacted less than a yard and a half uh, you know, from the line of scrimmage like David Montgomery is here in Chicago. And, Nick, we talked about it earlier. We're going to expect big explosive runs on the ground. And out of Henry's eight rushing touchdowns, seven has came inside of the red zone. So if the Titans can, which they probably will find their chances in the red zone with an effective run game, and they can really just power it in or put the Bears in that bind we talked about with play action as well, which I think that impact in the red zone needs to be noted. Henry also has picked up the second most first downs on the ground uh, in the league, which will be a big test for the Bears' top-ranked third-down defense so again there's injuries up front too for the bears defensive line it's not not boding well for the bears edge titans nick bears pass defense versus the titans passing offense i think this is our best chance to maybe have one edge out of the entire show am i right you are right, and it's because the Titans are going to run all game that they're not even going to pass. So you have <laughs> oh, to man. give the edge to the Bears. No, I when real like actually looking at the, the matchups here. Yes, the Titans have Corey Davis and AJ Brown, and they I think they might be even down Adam Humphreys, who took a big hit over the middle of our Cincinnati last week. But I think what the Titans' game plan and what it should be is they're going to run the ball until the Bears can prove that they can stop it and I don't know if the Bears can effectively stop it. So really it's going to come down to the Titans know what they're they're good at. They know what the Bears are bad at. They're going to take advantage of that and just keep running the football with Derrick Henry. But I still like the matchups on the, on the outside, right. um, whether it's Jalen Johnson versus Brown or Kyle Fuller and Davis or even their tight ends have done some, some damage um, this year for, for the Tennessee Titans. But – with given all that, I will give the advantage to the Bears passing defense. I think they can. I don't want to say shut down because I think it's going to a lot of their a lot of if they do get a lot of yards. These receivers, um, tight ends for the Titans, it's going to come off play action because we talked about it in full already. So, but I will with all that give the edge to the Bears passing defense. Yay, we got one. I'm, I'm glad we did. Uh, 
finally. Uh, so awesome. That's who has the edge. Let's move into the final portion of our week nine preview, uh, which is going to be our uh, predictions. And I know I have all the, the things way messed up on the screen, but I forgot to reset them <laughs> before the show. So first up, as always, is our bold prediction. And Nick, my bold prediction, it's it's bold. Uh, and again, it's not super creative or anything like that where we're going to get uh, this guy to do something amazing, uh, exemplary things. It's simple. Uh, the Bears are going to find it in them. It's going to be their inner will to play some tough defense. And I mean smash mouth defense. So my bold prediction is that, <laughs> God, I laugh because it's that bold. They'll keep Derrick Henry <laughs> for only 55 yards on the ground, uh, which would be his lowest total this season and out of the end zone. So that's my bold prediction. Again, simple, but bold. <laughs> so that's going to be mine. If they can do that, that puts them in a really in a driver's seat almost to find a way to, to win this game. So bold prediction, uh, no more than 55 yards on the ground uh, for Derrick Henry and no touchdowns for you, Nick. Uh, what's going to be your bold prediction? Yeah, well, so remember right before this podcast started, I was asking you, when did the Bears have that dominant game against the Tennessee Titans? And we, we figured it out. It was 2012. They The Bears won 51 to 20. They had five turnovers in that game. The Bears are not going to do that on Sunday for my bold prediction, but I do w- project them to get four turnovers uh, not really saying how, but I guess I'll just make it up on the spot. Three interceptions and one forced fumble on that guy that you were just talking about, Derrick Henry, and that's going to help the Bears stay in the game. But four total turnovers for this Bears defense against the Tennessee Titans offense. They may need the kind of game like that uh, to kind of help out this offense. Yeah, that's the day that all the Bears fans drink all the beer in Nashville. If I remember, that's like how it's yep. re- remembered or – how if people think they remember it. I don't know if there's a lot of memories <laughs> happening uh, out of Bears fans who attended that game. I think I was only 20 at the time, so unfortunately, even if I would have gone, I uh, would have been able to have that that, that kind of fun. But, Nick, uh, moving on here from our bold prediction, let's kind of now predict our MVB. So who do you think will be our MVB when it's all said and done on Sunday afternoon in a game that has so many unknowns? So many unknowns, yeah, Um, and it's hard to say, Will. But I'm I'm sticking with uh, a member in the Bears' secondary. I think it's going to be Jalen Johnson is going to have a monster, monster game where he's able to win these tight one-on-one matchups with these wide receivers when the Tennessee Titans do pass the ball. Because, look, I know they're going to be very run-heavy. I said that. They should stick to the run. But when those opportunities presents itself, and Jalen Johnson's in – been in pretty good position all season but I think he has a bounce back from just last week that post pattern from Jared Cook there was so much space and I know that for a guy like Jalen Johnson just waiting to get back on the field to kind of prove himself maybe it was a defensive but whatever it could have been I just know the guy is ready to get back out there and prove himself and so I think he will be the MVP come this game and maybe have two of those three uh, interceptions that I have for my bold prediction. I, I, I'm still always in disbelief. I always try to tie in your bold prediction to your MVP choice. I don't know. I do you, if you if you don't know yet, Nick, you don't have to do that. You don't have to. Like they're, they're separate and equal. They are, and and look, they, none of them work. So maybe I should just get a different strategy because they don't <laughs> happen. And maybe if I do that, maybe some will be right. You're right. It would help uh, <laughs> because then you're predicting your MVP would be maybe grounded more in reality instead of bold prediction lands. Maybe 
You do your MVB choice first, and then you figure out a bold prediction. That's a good idea. I like it. Right? Uh, I'm trying to help you out here a, a, a little bit. Uh, so for me, my MVB, grounded in reality, taking everything into consideration, <laughs> I hold my breath, though, I'm going to say it, Nick Foles? Question mark. Um, I think it's going to be on him to really have to orchestrate this offense and just overcome their issues. He's going to need to be kind of like a conductor out there with a band and just have everything operating smoothly. He's going to do something or needs to do something that we said he hasn't done too much of, and that's elevate the play of the guys around him. The Titans have allowed double-digit passing touchdowns in every game besides week one. So every game since week one, every quarterback has thrown for at least two touchdowns. They've also allowed 250 yards or more in every game of the quarterbacks since week one as well. So you're looking at weeks two through eight. The Titans have allowed quarterbacks to at least two touchdowns and 250 yards. You would hope. Again, I didn't give them the edge here, uh, so I don't know if they're going to get this kind of output. They may not get this type of numbers, but I think it shows that there is room for pathways to success. And on top of that, I don't know if they can establish a run. They're going to have to probably pass. He's not going to have an offensive line that's going to be friendly to him. And he's going to have to find a way uh, to get it out, dink and dunk, and just make some throws is probably the biggest way. Uh, so if the Bears want to win, that's a big reason to it. Uh, again, the defense is going to have to do its thing against Derrick Henry. We know that. Um, but on offense, I think it's going to come down to Nick Foles' ability or inability to elevate the people around him, find a way to mitigate some of the damage up front, and make some throws when he needs to, um, which may need to go back to my MVM, MVB, my X-Factor and my back-breaking matchup and getting some extra options that's not named Allen Robinson. So for me, if the Bears win, and this is an if, Nick Foles should be the MVB. But now it's time to actually look and uh, make some game picks. Of course, at the end of the year, Nick, uh, one of us, we're going to have to go around uh, downtown Chicago and uh, NFC North gear besides the Bears. One of us will. Uh, unfortunately, I'm in the, the driver's seat for that one. I'm 4-4. Four and four, You're 5-3. and three. I'll graciously still take my chance last week against the Saints. I think I'd do it again. We're this close uh, for coming out of that one, but uh, unfortunately for everyone, you were correct. Uh, the Saints did beat the Bears, and I was wrong. Uh, I had the Bears winning that one. So since you are in the lead, are you going to pick first, or are you going to make me do it? Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You know, I'm curious what you have there, Will. What do you What are you thinking for this game? So I defer and hand it off to you. I think I was actually then I hit the record button when you asked me this, like right before we went live, and I made some noise. I don't even know if I can repeat it, but it wasn't good. It was a lot of just <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so for me, uh, I hear I have it in my notes. I just don't know what to even go with it. I have it 17-13 Titans, uh, low-scoring game. Uh, I think this game may be one, Nick, where it could happen fast. Uh, the Titans could just really maintain possession, have the ball a lot. If the Bears' offense goes <laughs> three and out real quick, 
And it could be one where if the Bears, if they do what we I think they should try to do, even with a depleted line, that's to run the ball a lot. The clock should be winding a ton. So it's going to be a low-scoring game that may not have a ton of possessions. Um, and we all know the Bears' offense is hard-pressed to find points. It's going to be even more hard-pressed to find them here. Uh, the 13 is three scores, two field goals, and a touchdown. Uh, and then, of course, for Tennessee, that's some easy math uh, for you there. And uh, for me, that's enough. I think if Tennessee finds a way to score 17, uh, that should be enough against this Bears team to win, uh, which, again, shouldn't be the case. Um, a normal circumstances, but it would have been. And this week with even more non-ideal uh, situational things going on in this offense, uh, probably more so than the case. So for me, 17-13 Titans, which is your turn now to pick the Bears because then we'll be tied up at the end of the week. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I'm going with the Titans on this one. Look, Will, with everything that's gone on just this week alone, injuries, COVID, and now having to, I guess, practice or conduct meetings from at home, we don't know if the Bears are going to be in the facility tomorrow, there's no way this offense is getting better. There's no way. And uh, I'm sorry to say that to, I guess, be like, pe- bring people down to earth, but that's that's the reality that I'm seeing. And it's going to take a lot for, for this, co- this team, this coaching staff, to get the best out of their players come Sunday. So I have the Titans winning 20-6. to six. It's just <laughs> not going to be a close one. It's going to be brutal to watch. I really do believe that. Um, with no offensive line, with no – Actual or proper time to prepare, and the Titans team is coming off a bad loss to this Bengals for to a Bengals squad. They didn't get any type of pass rush. They were, I think, they were just dominating all three phases. They're going to come out hungry, and they know the Bears are hurting, and they definitely are. And they did play a competitive game against the Saints last week, but I just don't see it happening. Well, it's not going to get better with everything going on. So twenty to six. Titans I can't I can't pick the Bears in this one like you picked the Bears on a matchup that ended up being a an overtime game I, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it on this this matchup and I need to extend my lead and I think the safest bet to do so is picking the Titans a you don't extend your lead we would no matter the outcome now you hold your lead true you maintain it true sorry that's okay just maintain making it. sure uh we understand that uh because it's important for me that you don't think you're picking up a game this week <laughs> Uh, and secondly, I'm just very, very confused. Like, how did the Bears only score six points if the defense gets four turnovers? That's how bad their offense is, Will. Because you know you tie in your bold prediction to every other prediction. Yeah, I mean, they they don't have to capitalize on the turnovers. They happen, and then a three and out happens. Just as, as easily as, as a turnover happened for this Bears defense, a three and out is waiting. You know they're going to have multiple three and outs in this game. It's going to happen. You want to so. say the over-under right now? Let's do it. Over-under three and outs for the Bears offense this week. That This is interesting. This is on the fly. So I'm thinking if they're lucky, five drives a half. So say they're going to have ten drives in this game. I mean, if they're going three and out and Tennessee scores quick, you can have more. But let's say ten. Ten's a good yeah. round number. So if you don't want to give me a number of three and outs, you can give me a percentage of three and outs like so out of the 10 drives you're looking at 70 percent, 7 out of 10 50 percent, 5 out of 10 they will have they'll have four three and outs they'll have four and they'll have one drive with they'll no no yeah they'll have it they'll have they'll have a turnover at some point so they'll have one play where it's four plays but the fourth plays a interception so it's going to be four 
three and outs come Sunday. Okay. Uh, I'll one-up you. I'll say five. Uh, I, I mean, they can have it. I mean, maybe it's one. I mean, the third quarter, Nick, let's just say that's, that's two or three right there. Uh, that's an easy True. one in the bag. Uh, so if they start off a little rocky, I think uh, I got that one. So we'll look at about you know half the drives. That'd be terrible. Oh, I hope we're so off base here, man. I really do. But there's not a lot of silver lining uh, in this playbook uh, come this week. So, Nick, I think, did you get the reference? Silver lining's playbook? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Yep. I was hoping. I was hoping. You know, we got to make sure we get some of those in here once in a while. <laughs> uh, so for me, Nick, uh, confidence meter. Obviously, we were both uh, giving the Bears a loss here in our prediction. So we're going to be below five. Uh, so how insecure are you in the Bears' chances <laughs> to win this game? Good good way of putting it there, Will. Um, I'll say uh, a three, maybe a, a 2.8 um, in that range. I just don't see it happening. It's not that the Tennessee Titans are if you know an elite team. I don't think that's the case. At one point in time, they were you know up there with, with some of the better teams, but they've come down to earth, but it's just everything that's happened this week. And I know this team is resilient. Maybe I haven't given them enough credit for being a resilient bunch that they have been, and that's why they do have five wins. They've been able to come back in fourth quarters and whatnot. But, yeah, I'm just not feeling feeling confident in this one. And I think I've already accepted that. So when it comes Sunday, I'm not going to be feeling as bad because I, I already knew this. So, But, yeah, three, 2.8, 3 range is what I'm thinking for, for my, I guess, insecurity with, with this Bears team. I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to go up to a 3.5 just because this NFL season has been so weird, so week to week, you never know. Uh, so a 6.5 chance for them to mildly surprise me. Uh, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll keep that in the realm of uh, possibilities. It is 2020. Nothing surprises us anymore. So, yeah, Nick, it's just when you're as depleted as you are in offense, when you're already a bottom-ranked unit, I mean, there, it's true. There's nowhere else to go but up, but also it could get it could get worse. Uh, they could be lowering themselves, um, making themselves even the lowest of the low, uh, which would be, uh, I think we all know just how painful that would be. But if we go into the game with these super low expectations and they even exceed them a little bit, we may have a smile on our face uh, come the postgame show, despite uh, the outcome one way or the other. Um, but yeah, not super confident uh, in this one, unfortunately, because I think a fully healthy Bears team makes this an interesting ball game. Uh, this is a game I know we were actually debating. Like I know it's COVID year, but they did have seats available, and we like to go to at least one game a year. I know we're not going, but it was one that, in theory, we would have paid money to potentially see. Not not now, <laughs> definitely not <laughs> now. Um, but yeah, it, it's quite uh, unfortunate. Any other final just thoughts as we wrap things up? Again, I think we hit on everything uh, pretty well. Uh, again, I mean, I, I expect that from us. So kudos, Sir Moriano. But uh, anything else before we sign off? Um, just the only thing: have a Miller Light handy as you're watching this game, and you know, just um. I, I, I enjoy it as much as you can, and hopefully, I'm. I hope I'm completely wrong on everything. Like, you can come back to this preview show and just say, "Nope, Nick, you're an idiot for that." That that. I hope so, but yeah, have a Miller Lite handy. It's gonna be a a long game. It's gonna be a, a, a long, maybe a short game time wise, but a long game to yeah. watch. Uh, like you though, Nick, I don't think anyone will call you an idiot. I think everyone's in agreement that this is a very disastrous damning situation and again if they can find a way to pull it out 
awesome. No one's going to complain about it one one iota. They're going to I mean it would be another <laughs> huge pat in the back for their resiliency even if they can make this thing a contention something that's going to be contentioned down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Uh so that's what I would at least hope for. I know you're hoping for it too and I, again uh, we both picked against them this week, but hopefully we're both wrong, uh, and we're uh, I think we'll both gladly take the loss. But, yeah, uh, I'm going to call this an episode real quick before we do. Uh, Bro Slat uh, in the chat has been all up on it today, uh, calling us the GOAT podcast. I know he's been uh, asking us to smile if we see the, the comments and everything, and I didn't know when it was a good time to say thank you for your support throughout this episode, um, but I figured right now would be a perfect time. So you have yourself a good night, man. Enjoy. Packers 49ers are we saying go Kevin White is that acceptable now Dick oh yeah absolutely go Kevin White tear up the Green Bay Packers and now I give uh you know Brawl this love and he says you know he loves he loves you uh so no no love for me <laughs> <laughs> so okay yeah I, I try I I really really do but I don't do it for the love uh, I I do it for uh, I do it for us and uh, this team, and uh, I'm just giving everyone a hard time here. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching live, watching the replay, listening to this podcast. I don't care how you consume our show. Just know that you are super appreciated by both Nick and myself. The next time that you hear from us will be after this Bears-Titans game. So as long as we can survive, whatever we're about to watch, uh, we'll be here as soon as the final whistle uh, blows. And, of course, our podcast will be leaked soon there after so until then have yourself a a great weekend be safe and of course bear down chicago How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.